and welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow, till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandsbury. Show seven. Show seven indeed. And not one, but two leadership contests. Yes. When we've got the, was it Peterborough? Yes, the Peterborough by-election. Who was the winner in that? Well, that would have been the Labour Party. Uh, But really, maybe numerically. We'll come on to it in a later segment. Yes, did they really win? Mm. Yeah, well, we'll see what Millsy thinks. He's he's remaining tight-lipped on the uh, arrangements at the moment. But our first segment is a chance to now look at the Liberal Democrat leadership race. And can I just start by congratulating you, Simon, as a proud Liberal Democrat? The fact that fully 20% of your parliamentary party put themselves forward for the race has been a, a, been a very noble thing. So your transferable vote, single alternate, that's going to come really into play. So did you just want to run us through the list of runners and riders for the Lib Dem election? So yes, so we have, um, we have two excellent candidates in the Lib Dem leadership election. Two, you say? Yes, two. Excellent. I mean, to be fair, the Tory party are nearly getting 20% of their yeah, parliamentary yeah, party. No, no, you know, no, there's, there's a few um, they're happy to order a bigger bus, I guess, you know, yes. with or without the lies. Well, they said they went to court this week, <laughs> went to court, private prosecution, that's a lot of money, so a couple of... It, it, shall, come, it shall come again, I'm sure, but oh, nonetheless, indeed. I shall just open my wallet. Um, okay, so yes, so we have um, Ed Davey and Joe Swinson, who are our two uh, leadership candidates. If I'm really honest, I'm really torn. Mm. I'm not going to play a little bit of Natalie and Brulia there. Oh, we're going musical again. Yes. Yes, oh, uh, and I think we've got an idea for the for the title of the show as well. Well, indeed, yes, mm. yes. Would yes. it be a bit spoilerific to say it now? Well, let's say I, it later I, on. We, we will. Yeah. Just, just pass me another doobie. <laughs> what on the left hand side? Exactly. That we, was a, that was a duchy, which I believe was a cooking pot, although it was indeed metaphorical of a thirty-two Blue Rizzler special. But anyway, we move on. Yes, so, lots of this is going over my head, of course. Exactly. Yeah. So we've got Ed Davy. Yes, and Joe Swinson. Yes. What's good about either of them? Well, there's lots of things that are good about both of them, to be fair. So this is why I'm really torn. They've both got lots of lots of experience. Ed in the coalition government with the Tories. So he was the Secretary of State for Energy and Climate Change um, in 2012. Led the fight for more investment in renewable energy, tackling climate change. And, and as a result of his work, um, the UK almost quadrupled its green energy and became a world leader in offshore wind and the cost of renewables fell dramatically. So... He's done, a, he's done a lot there. He's also campaigned really heavily on a European stage um, about the EU's um, level of environmental targets for greenhouse gases and has also worked the UN's climate talks. Very strong green credentials. Very, very strong green credentials. He also won his seat originally um, with... Um, and so when he was originally voted in, he turned a 56 vote majority... At the next ele- next time round, that was turned into over a fifteen thousand majority. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. And uh, to be fair, both candidates have a lot to thank Theresa May for, don't they? Both fundamentally were part of the coalition government. Both were binned by the electorate in an act of spiteful vengeance in two thousand and fifteen. And when May had her slightly wobbly-eyed, strong and stable moment. They both uh, got back they in. They both got back in. People can change their mind in as little as two years. Isn't that amazing? Right, it is. So, um, so not always a good thing, but uh, no. But you know, people's people's opinions are good. So, um, <coughs> lots of lots of strong environmental performance. Um, 
a good background actually when when in coalition government got strong campaigning um, history whereas um, Joe also um, has done lots uh, building relationships um, across parliamentary parties either in the UK and actually in Europe she uh, she tabled a bill in parliament in 2007 aimed at reducing the amount of packaging used in, in products um, she, inspiration to enter politics came from Anita Roddick who set up the body shop yep. she introduced uh, shared parental leave extended flexible working rights clamped down on unscrupulous payday lenders and increased uh, penalties on employers that were failing to pay workers the minimum wage so increasing uh, corporate recordings as a so she was a minister for employment relation and consumers affairs in the department for business innovation and skills strong background there from a ministerial point of view she's also got a, a grounding in technology so she's um, she's learned per, uh, programming when she was at school from the trustee zx spectrum Beautiful. Back in the day. The key, the computer that you could throw out a window and if it landed face down would bounce back. Yeah, Manic Miner, Jet Set Willy. Manic Miner. Manic Miner, we're reaching out to our younger audience here. Yeah, we're definitely showing our age now. Flashbacks. You could probably download that online. and No, can't say flashbacks these days, not in the current climate. But anyway, keep moving forward. So yes, and she was also one of the first MPs to embrace Twitter and as the vice chair for the Prime Minister's Digital Task Force, was later on the board of a tech startup and now chairs the Liberal Democrat Technology Commission. And I think it would be fair to say that Joe has shown a hand that when it comes to the big issue, the old remaining that she's perhaps reached out to some of the other parties a little more to suggest that there should be, how can I put it, closer working alignment between the Remain parties. Would that be a fair statement? Um, I, th- I think with, with our history of actually working cross-party, Ed definitely seems to be kind of coming down on the other side of that response. In this, you know, he, He's spoken recently in response to how the Greens have behaved in regards to what they're saying about the Liberal Democrats um, and about the idea of kind of working, working cross party, so I think I think his um, his kind of point was that they're not necessarily proposing entering into partnerships or agreements with other parties, but if people share the Liberal Democrat values, then they should consider joining the party. No, no, and I think I, I would say he he has he's produced a much stronger. If you want it, then you should put a Leb Dem in it. That didn't really scan, did it? Give them but anyway, the, give them the bird. Yes, indeed. So, so when do you have to put your digital X in a digital box then, Simon? When have you got to finally make your decision? Do you know what? I'm not sure. Oh. I, I, should, I should check you that. You should look that up. I, re- I should really check that. Um, it's not going to be today, so... No, 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 no. The, uh, um, the, the, it only closed on Friday, I think. So, and for viewers, we're, it's Monday evening, and as we're recording, we're... The, Clock is ticking towards 5.30 when we'll find out how many of the 372 candidates for the Tory leadership managed to get enough uh, people to support them to get onto the start line. So you, you, you're still you're still flip-flopping, two strong candidates. I had a good look at them today, and if it was down to me and I had to pick one, I'm going to go for Sir Ed. And the reason why? Because I think there is an element of... I think both are very similar with strong green credentials. I think Ed is a little bit more, a little bit more outspoken. He's a little bit more for me about you know if you if you believe in Remain, if you believe in the Lib Dem values, 
kind of come to the Lib Dems. Now it's perhaps not the modern way, this sort of collegiate working that Joe favours, maybe. The other thing is, I think he's got just a bit more experience. So if I was a Lib Dem, I'd be voting for Ed Davey, but I'm not, so I won't. But I don't think there's too much to choose between them. I think if you get Joe, she seems perfectly capable and reasonable. It's not like you've got a cast of thousands to pick from. But the two that you've got both seem pretty decent, I think, from, you know, Lib Dems are never really offensive, are they? So, so um, <laughs> you know what I mean, though, isn't it? It's, you know, history is not full of evil Lib Dem characters, are there? Yeah, we're, um, we're um, a good bunch. We're not, we're not kind of violent and spiteful. We're willing to listen to other people's points of view, um, which is something probably there's not enough of these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Beautiful. So we've come to no sort of conclusion at all other than I favour Ed over Joe by a narrow majority and you're still you're still what we call culminating, which is sat firmly on the fence at this point. But unlike, <laughs> but I, I'm, unlike I'm, the man himself, <laughs> at some point you've got to fall one way or the other. Yeah, I'm not endless yeah, I'm not well I, I yeah, I'm, it's not a Corbyn type of thing. I'm not endlessly ruminating in order to stop enacting a policy that my party voted for. No. I'm honestly finding it a tough thing to choose from and what a what a difference that is to the blue race um whereas um you know that's probably a you know as a question of uh, yeah do people vote for the loud shouty clown or do people vote for the quiet calm considered guy they probably won't will they um but we'll come to that later on once we've got the the latest from them um but yeah um i've yet to make up my mind but I've got time to do that. I mean, you, you, you could have joined up. You had up until June, you know, 7th of June, oh, to have joined the party. Well, I've, I've, I've got a little revelation for you later in the party. Oh, oh. Stay, stay tuned, folks. It's time to get a brew on. So, welcome back. We've got a nice hot brew. I shall try not to slurp mine quite as loudly as I did in the last episode. So, we're having a look at the Peterborough by-election... Uh, and again, in our theory of who are winners and losers. So numerically, Simon, what was the result? OK, so as I'm sure we're all aware, Labour won the seat Ooh. with 30.9% um, of the vote. Which is a massive collapse. They lost 17% from the last time round. Yes, yes. So they were on, uh, in 2017, they had 48% of the vote. So, um, so their votes went from um, basically just shy of 23,000 to just shy of 10,500. Wow. So although the although the turnout dropped by thirteen thousand eight hundred, their vote share really, 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 really fell down. So that's um, is that a win? I mean, numerically, uh, yeah, it's yeah. a win because they're the best of the. <clears throat> when the final whistle blows, they they are indeed the winners. Doesn't matter how slow they are; it's the one that's in front. Yeah, absolutely. So no lap records being broken there. So other than well, the lap record was probably Nigel Farage leaving Peterborough County venue. Yeah, well, it's a... Just, be- just before the result was called. Well, just finished second. <laughs> so they came. So the um, the exit part. So the Brexit co. They came in at second at uh, nine thousand eight hundred and one votes. Up nine thousand eight hundred and one votes yes. last time out. In two thousand seventeen, there wasn't a UKIP candidate, nope. um, but there were, were four hundred votes to UKIP. Um, so wouldn't have made a difference if those UKIP votes had actually gone to Brexit Party. It wouldn't have changed the result, but it would have narrowed the Labour majority even further. Yep. Conservatives in third. Yes, but so, yes. So their vote share in uh, twenty seventeen. 
um, had them at 22,343 votes, so 46.8%, uh, whereas this week they've come in with 21.3% of the vote um, and 7,243 so votes. So lost 25% of the vote. Mm. That, that I, I think, sad as it makes me, I think we can agree fundamentally that we were the major losers in this event. And oh, it's a fascinating ward. I you know, I'd have never bothered to look at Peterborough politics, but the fact that last time out in 17, it was just a two-dog fight. Mm. You know, 48 versus 47. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the, the Lib Dems and the Greens, you know, 5% between them, that is... Yeah, um, re- really, really tight scrapping between first and second place. Yep. Um, and some scrapping going on between third and fourth places, but those being ferociously down. It's like the third, like the third place playoff at the World Cup. Nobody really cares. Um, <laughs> but how did the Lib Dems do this time, Simon? So, um, so the so the Lib Dems Go on, um, spin it, spin it. <laughs> so um, they came in with twelve twelve point three percent of the vote this time round, quadrupling against, their vote share. Yes, against against three point three percent last time. So their number of votes actually went uh, was um, one hundred and sixty percent of what what they'd actually got last time round, being up by two and a half thousand votes. Whereas, let me say the the two major existing parties, you know, Labour's vote share vote number of votes went down by nearly twelve and a half thousand. Tories went down by over fifteen thousand votes. So, um, but again, like, like we say, the, you know, the numbers is still um, still a distant against against the kind of the grouping. Um, it's interesting that the Brexit Party have have slipped in there as the second yeah, place. And again, we, we in our research went back and had a look at you know where was Peterborough in two thousand and sixteen and traditional Labour heartland. So you would have expected it probably to come in on the side mm. of Remain. It fundamentally did not. It was sixty one percent leave. And thirty nine percent stay. So, oh, I've got to say that if you were the Brexit party, you would have perhaps that was one you might have hoped to get. Bookies were were calling it that the Brexit party were going to walk it. So, how did Labour win it? Is it possible? And again, this is this is supposition because all you know is who people voted for. You yep. don't know why. Yep. All the different parties will try and try and figure out what they think why people voted for a particular thing so it's always that interesting thing of what the, how, what they read into how people voted but possibly is it that some of the Remain vote fell behind the Labour candidate in order to deny the Brexit party of a victory I, I, I think yes if I look at it you know whilst the Lib Dem which is the clear you know that's the one clear Remain you can say the Greens are as well but you know for me the, of the major parties the Lib Dems are the clear Remain whilst you've seen a 9% gain um, again, it, it's fascinating to me that in some cities, you know, the Lib Dems are head to head, but there are some where, and Peterborough seems to be one of them, where the Lib Dem kind of message doesn't seem to resonate. So I guess if you're one of that thirty nine percent, you know that that still wants to remain, then realistically, I think you're right that people might have taken a deep breath and effectively voted tactically to make sure. Not necessarily yeah. that a Labour MP was returned, but that a Brexit Party MP wasn't. Yes, so a case of we voted for someone that was the was the opposite of the person that we didn't want to get in. Yeah, the the, yeah. the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yes, so. Um, so. yes, it's a yes, very true saying. So yes, I think um, a lot of nose holding, um, but of course the Labour Party leadership walked away saying that that's a success and. JC's emboldened by 
um, by that basically advocate, you know, that well, being a validation of his well, of his policies. Nigel Farage not doing as well as he expected to do so, leaving the building quicker than Elvis trying to search for a cheeseburger. What's next a, for him? He's a portly man. Um, I, well, I, I, I think it's going to be much the same and until until the Tory leadership race sorts itself out and we see what kind of a leader we're going to end up with, you've then got various knockings about. And as I say, it's going to go one of two ways. Either everything's going to be done by October, we will have left, Nigel Farage can go and on his speaking circuit, he can write his memoirs, he'll do very nice financially, thank you, or we won't leave. And then at that point, who knows what's going to happen, but I can guarantee you, that there'll be a lot of very loud talking from Farage. And where will that leave us politically? Who knows? Peterborough suggested that maybe Labour would hold up better than expected. But again, that's that's in a two-horse race. I do wonder whether, you know, it, 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 I think it will be a very confused landscape um, if we don't leave. And I, I, I still can't see a way that any kind of general election which is supposed to sort things out I think it will return a different mix but I can't see where it's going to return a definitive mix Will Brexit happen? Yep um, Who where, who gets selected by the, the Tory, the Tory yep. party to be the leader of the party will that person and therefore their approach to Brexit um, end up causing there to be a need for a general election either by them requiring one in order to get the maths that they would need in parliament or by someone forcing one by um posing a vote of no confidence in the government and the government losing it yep um would i guess kind of lead us to that thing of you've got all of those variables at play which is why we're in a complete utter mess absolutely um and and the, and that's why i think in terms of speculating on what will happen next with Farage at the moment, it, it, your guess is as good as mine. Whatever happens to the country and whatever happens to the government of the day, Farage will be smiling and laughing and making money somewhere along the line. Yes, he will. But there's an element of, I think, ultimately you can play him as a one-dimensional lampoon, but... He, he commands popular support and, you know, to be fair, his UK independence movement... Uh, got so independent that he left it. But well, I, I well think... it did, but, it, but again, you've got to look at it. The, the chap has just stood up and, and said, look, here's my new party. And you go, what's your new party? And you say, it was a can of kidney beans and I've written the word Brexit on it. And in an election, yeah, know, 30 per- 10,000 people in Peterborough hmm. said... Yeah, I'm going for that. So, yeah, I, I, I get your point. And to, and to be fair, um, as much as I despise his um, his politics, or even indeed actually lack of most of them or policies, and actually I massively obviously disagree with what he's trying to do, from a point of view of this is someone that seven times has failed to be elected to Parliament in the UK, Yep. Um, but nonetheless has managed to, over the last couple of decades move the Tory party to the right as opposed to in regards to the question of Brexit so to get it on the table and cause the referendum and now is causing a massive problem with the Tory leadership fight because do they try to again 
silence the move to towards the no deal Brexit, which the Brexit Party are championing in order to stop the hemorrhaging of their own <coughs> votes. So, it, so in that respect, for someone that isn't um, isn't a, a UK Parliament electoral, uh, elected official, obviously he's elected to stand in the European Parliament. He's not exactly having a negligible impact, is he? No, no, he's having a massive impact. And I think that's where the only thing that I would come back with, and we've covered it before and we'll cover it again, the Brexit, Brexit is not a right of the Tory party issue. You have a situation where if we look at Peterborough, Peterborough was not a true blue city. 61% of the people voted to leave and it's a, it was a Labour stronghold. And if you look at the 30% that voted this time, yes, the Conservatives lost a considerable number of votes, but so did the Labour Party. And I think this is where, whilst I get what everything so everybody says about Nigel Farage, to try and lampoon him into being a far-right character is, is to do the issue a disservice. This covers the political spectrum, and I think, that, and that's where, you know, I... I I've said it before, and people sneer at me online. The Conservative Party was split, and still is split. So in synopsis, Labour Party, numeric winners, but can't be happy with that. Uh, Brexit Party, numeric losers, but got to be happy with that. Conservative Party's winners, no, they've got nothing really, have they? It's just not gone well for us at the moment. And uh, Liberals, numeric winners, quadrupling the vote, but fundamentally still not relevant in Peterborough. And Greens did nothing. They have as many Greens as they had last time, so... Well, yeah, well, the well they went up by nearly 200, nearly 200 votes, so they went up by nearly a fifth. Yeah, 200 votes. It's not relevant, though, is it? That could be a new T-shirt for you Lib Dems. <laughs> eat, eat your Greens. You can have that for free. Right, marvellous. So that's Peterborough covered... Yes. We've covered the Lib Dems, and now it's time for the Hunger Games. We went through all the runners and riders last time out, and I think since our last podcast, two folks before the game had picked up, kicked off have taken their ball and headed home. Well, yeah, it's. It, I, I don't know whether they listened to the, to the podcast... If they, if they, if they, if all of them would have done it, thank you to all those that have given um, feedback on my incisive analysis of Matt Hancock and his potential as a prime minister. Um, but the Malt House Compromise, um, a folk band of the future, just never happened, and he went home. And uh, James cleverly uh, described on the news quiz as a man who couldn't even finish the sentence of his own name. Um, also packed his bags and went home so that left us with 11 yes and oh, time check now how close are we to, to so we're the, um yeah we're at 20 past five so 20 past five so, so we might want to pause for a minute i think we're going to pause the recording we're going to wait till five thirty, and we're going to see whether anybody else has fallen by the wayside or in an eleven fifty nine, we're going to have some random candidate from nowhere yes Ken, so Ken Clark, that'll be are there are there any new? Well, I was um, speculating that maybe Penny Morden might actually join the fray at the last minute. Nope, but she's um, come in behind Hunt. You've said that quickly and well done for, for <laughs> nailing that. 
yes, yes, I've, ma- I've managed to managed to get that right, um, which which is interesting. Um, but yes, so we'll see. Are there any revelations? Are there any more um, dealings or drug revelations to come out from well, the leadership contenders? So is it time to announce the fact that this one's called the drugs don't work? <laughs> they just, just make, make it worse. worse. And uh, yes, so it's been a revelation of of uh, you know the, the casual drug usage. It looks like Gove um, has uh, has and his uh, fondness for the old Peruvian marching powder may have done his campaign irreparable harm. Um, the opium fiend that is Rory the Tory, he seems to have got away with it. And then you've got a a couple of folk who've who've uh, suggest that their doobie rolling skills are are better than most, but of course nobody's done it now. Uh, it's all behind them, and uh, I think Theresa May has put out a message saying that uh, at no point ever has she taken illicit substances. No, no, because you know um, running through fields of wheat isn't. It's not the same. No. Not the same. Not I mean, the same. you get your nose itchy, but it's not the same thing at all. And again, some people are trying to draw parallels, saying, oh, it was dreadful. You know, Diane Abbott, she was pilloried for having a can of mojito. Now, I've got a piece of public health information for our listeners, which is, you know, it isn't the same. If you've ever tried snorting a can of mojito, I really do recommend that you don't try this at home, kids. It will end badly, and there'll be foaming and crying and mojito up your nose and just don't do it kids stay in school um yeah but it's an interesting point that you raised that considering the outrage well, that was out- confected faux in- faux outrage yes, by yeah. the- now interestingly you i have said shown before my thoughts on diane abbott mm. i do not think her to be a good person um, I, I'm not making a, a call no, on that. I'm, no, I'm just I thinking am. from a point of view of how people, how some people responded to the revelation that she was drinking a can of mojito on the tube. But is um, the response by some people was a masses of all, all, um, orders of magnitude greater of offence um, and disgust than the revelation that um, several members of the Tory leadership race um, have been taking Class A drugs and and even some of them have then gone on to actually say. Um, institute policies that mean that people who work in um, education, for example, get dismissed for being found to have used it. And again, so it's an interesting path you're taking there. So let me just come back to the Diane Abbott thing. Okay. It was a nonsense. Everybody realised it was a nonsense apart from people who were trying to create this brand of adversarial politics. If you choose not to like Diane Abbott, I invite you to take to the interweb. You will come up with a list of 178 reasons why she is a dislikable person. And that's just before breakfast. And that's before breakfast. And actually, she, she takes a lot of, you know, vile and inappropriate abuse online, which isn't to do with her politics or the way in which she behaves. And frankly, if she wants to turn a mojito on the way home on the tube... If I was in her position, I'd be putting Baileys on my cornflakes and shotgunning Strongbow on the way home on the tube. So that was a non-event. And the vast majority of people, irrespective of their policies policies and politics, just said, oh, shut up. That's not a thing. And I think the same way, there is a bit of, well, he took cocaine in his youth and now he advocates that teachers that are using cocaine should be dismissed. Well... There is a difference between 
what somebody did in their youth and what they're doing whilst in a job at a given time. To be fair, when you say youth, he was in his 30s. But you know what I mean. He wasn't doing the job at the time, was he? If, if, no, there's, I, I, if there's a job that says, so for instance, it may come as no surprise to you that I like a beer. Really? I do. I really like beer. Beer, nourishing, delicious beer. But I'm not an airline pilot. Which obviously has nothing to do with my beer intake, more to do with my fact that I can't see. But if I were an, an airline pilot, part of the conditions of being an airline pilot is that you don't take a beer before you fly a plane. So that's one of your conditions of employment. If you're a teacher, perhaps one of the conditions of employment is that you don't snort the Charlie. So I would respectfully suggest perhaps... Don't snort the Charlie. I think where we both agree is some of the outrage is confected yes. and undeserving, and let's play the let's play the policy rather than than the person. I think they're not strictly equivalent in the sense of Diane Abbott wasn't isn't responsible for public policy that's actually being enacted. Um, I, 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 don't, I have no, I don't. To be honest, I don't care if Michael Gove snorts Charlie snorted or whatever it is. Yes, that you, I, I don't know about these things. Oh, um, well, here we go. So, um, no, I don't. Just um, so. No, no, no. Um, I'm just going to keep adopting a slightly sarcastic. Oh no, of course. You oh, don't. great! No, Thanks no, very much no, for no. chucking me under that bus. No, no. Um, no so, so um, the bus have written on the side. Lies is normal. Lies. So lies. it's the lie bus. It is. Um, it's the number forty-seven to the hard. Um, so, which would be a lie bus because no such bus exists. No. Um, so. Never really liked the term the hard. No, I, I see absolutely your point, and 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 this is where for me I think this 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 adversarial politics, and it, it is that, or, or what I would call pious politics, um, you know, because if I look at it, the construct around Diane Abbott was that Diane Abbott wishes to be the Home Secretary, who is responsible for law and order, yet she cannot comply with the law that says you cannot drink on a London overground train. Tusk, tusk, tusk. She's not fit to do the job. It's like, shut up. That's oh, my God. Has, has the world ended? No, it hasn't. Exactly. Um, so, Gove was in his 30s, and you just think... Although he may still have looked quite boyish at the time. Yeah, there's... Well, he's... He, I mean, that's his that's his signature, isn't it? It's that kind of... You know, he, he's... um Yeah. Right. Breaking news. Sam Gimer has pulled out of the way. Sam... Now, he got such a kicking on breakfast TV this morning they said have you got eight Sam and he said yeah I'm sure I'll be on the start line they said you haven't got eight have you Sam and he said oh, I'm sure I'll be on the start line and they said so who are you backing then Sam and she said oh bloody hell I'm still in the race but it appears he's not in the race no he's not so Sam Gamer has gone what is the interclacker telling you has anybody else yeah you listening to us just hit refresh is going to be really boring yeah So what we hadn't quite counted on was it taking us so long to actually um, get this podcast, well, edited and uploaded. So in the meantime, on the 13th of June, the Tories held their um, their first round of their ballot um, and Boris Johnson came top with 114 votes, Jeremy Hunt in second with 43, Gove in third with 37, followed by Dominic Raab at 27, Sajid Javid at 23 and Rory Stewart, um, the lowest through to the next round with 19 votes um, so that did mean 
Andrew Ledson, Mark Harper and Esther McVeigh were eliminated, um, only receiving 11, 10 and 9 votes respectively. Now even in the time it's taken me to complete the editing this morning from my hotel room in Brussels, Matt Hancock has withdrawn from the race and he had 20 votes so although he'd made it through to the um, made it through to the next round he had decided to pull out today so Hancock's had his half hour now it's just down to the final six will all of them stay in will some of them not um, and then who will be there for the next round Will anyone else in the Tories Got Talent Hunger Games selection process rule them out before the next round of voting on Tuesday? We'll just have to wait and see. Spectator sports, eh? Um, So, while Boris Johnson's team desperately tried to keep him away from anyone with a microphone and a camera, and certainly away from anybody that wants an answer to a question, what happens to the rest of them? Has Gove's drug revelations fatally flawed his campaign we'll have to see will allegiances switch will anyone else pull out and throw their weight behind one of the remaining contenders we'll just have to see so stay tuned next time we'll have some more insightful warblings from ian and myself um and um we'll upload them quicker okay sorry about that the podcast is now available on apple podcasts yep Spotify, TuneIn, and TuneIn means that you can ask your Amazon Alexa to find us. Unfortunately, we're not available on Google Home Assistant yet because no. it's not quite working with TuneIn, but that's not our fault. So, lovely, there are lots of chances to listen to us, and one of the key things we're always looking for is feedback. We reached out to the Facebook page at Pompey Politics and asked the good people there what topics did they want covered, and we've had a we've had a an avalanche of yes, responses. Yes, we've we've um we've got quite a handful of responses, which is um more than more than the votes that Sam Geeman got. Okay. Yeah, yeah, poor old Sam. Mm. Yeah. So um yeah, so thanks thanks to Keith Roberts anyway for invest, trying to investigate the issue with uh, Google Home Assistant, but unfortunately they didn't, weren't able to give him an answer. So some things that we we asked we put started forming a list. Uh, of the things that people wanted to hear about, one of which being the Hunger Games event of the Tory leadership, which we covered. Peterborough, where next for Nigel's Brexit code? So there's a, there's a long list there of various different subjects. I won't read them all out, but some of some of the detailed policy points that were we um, some people actually asked for some uh, discussion on were around public sector equality duty, which was brought to our attention by by Jeanette Smith. And I think Hilary Reid gave yes. us the inside steer on that. Yes. And I think Catherine Remington was in the mix as well. Yes. So we will going to try and persuade one of those to come and join us very soon as a guest, as seeing as they've done all the research. It's not yes. that we're lazy, it's just you know, we've got work to do, and we'd love them to come and give their insight into what is an extremely important topic. Yes, and they also they also raised about the WASPy issue, so about the um about the pension. So that, uh, again, some really in-depth topics that would be great to have them on so we'll line that up um, we also had some suggestions from Jerry Brown and Patricia Mooney about what do councillors do um, what sorts of power they have and how different parts of the machine that is the administration actually work um, you know how do how do how planning decisions made kind of thing so there's perhaps also some things to look in there about us maybe spending the day in the life of a councillor or um, understanding how things work in particular 
different uh, boards and committees that um, that make decisions. Absolutely. So we'll reach out to our friends of the pod and see if we can get on them on today because our last couple have been just us, which entertaining as I'm sure we are. People would love to hear yeah. different views and opinions. So we will look to bring some people in. Yes, please. So thank you very much, guys. Please do keep those comments coming and those suggestions. That, that's really great stuff. Uh, and we'll get those people on. So that's good. Thank you. You can get in contact with us at pompeypoliticspodcast at gmail.com or you can go to our Facebook page and leave a message there. We'll pick that up. Yes. Um, so, yes, please do get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. This has been the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I've been Ian Morris. And I've been Simon Sansbury. <laughs> for us. Yay!